Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy to use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. Helen Mort is a busy woman. She's a, a writer and a poet, a runner and a climber. And Helen's also recently become a mum. I chatted with Helen and her baby boy at a pavement cafe in Sheffield, racing the ticking time bomb of a bored baby deciding when he'd had enough of this boring interview with me. I'd bivied the night before meeting Helen um, under a tree on the banks of the River Air, an owl hooting in the tree right above where I was sleeping. But this meant I had to get up at 4.30am to pedal the 40-odd miles into Sheffield to get there for time, riding along some surprisingly lovely cycle paths by the River Don. Luckily, I beat Helen to the cafe by a few minutes, so, so I had a chance to chug down a speedy espresso before she arrived. Helen has, Helen's got a brain the size of Bournemouth, so I needed all the caffeine help that I could muster. Before baby stop play, I enjoyed hearing Helen's perspective on adventuring as a parent, um, being open to the possibilities of change in your life, and the weird way in which an expedition to Greenland can feel less risky and exposing than staying in Sheffield with a group of mums. Helen's a highly acclaimed poet. She's a lecturer in creative writing at Manchester Metropolitan University. So I was intrigued to hear her take on imposter syndrome and her masochistic enjoyment of attempting creative projects she doesn't know whether or not she can do. Helen, thank you for meeting me. I'm sitting no on a Saturday morning outside a nice cafe, your local cafe. You seem to know everyone who walks past <laughs> um, with your little one and who's desperate to eat the microphone. So we'll give this a go, see how we get on. Um my first question to you is, because I ask this of everyone who's done a PhD, yeah. uh, because I love it, what was the title of your PhD? Um, I'm a bit embarrassed to say. Um, it, so the first part is a quote, I must emphasise. Something else, comma, then something else again. Neuroscience, colon, neuroscience and connection making in contemporary poetry. <laughs> Brilliant. I absolutely love people's PhD titles. 
Um, and I won't, I won't ask another question no, about no, that because no, no, I'll be massively out of my depth. Um, you're, you're a climber. Kind of, yeah. A runner. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Definitely um, a runner, not so much a climber. Okay. Um, and one of the things you enjoy this for is the, the clarity of it. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a bit about then why you like the running and the climbing? Um, well, actually, so I came to climbing a bit later. I, I ran, I was quite, I think I was quite, um, I was quite a s sort of stocky little kid. I did a lot of walking <laughs> with my dad when I was a kid. I was always quite into sort of endurance sports, but I never thought of myself as particularly sporty. Um, and I sort of got into running at secondary school, um, got picked to do a race and decided to train for it. Um, and then on the day, the PE teacher would pick someone else and I was really upset and asked if I could run anyway and um, then ended up doing quite well. So it kind of all started from there. And so I always enjoyed, I enjoyed running because it was the first time I'd been good at anything sort of physical. Um, and, and that then became my, I think because of that, it then became, I became confident doing it and it was in my sort of time to think. Um, so I did that from when I was 12, but I only started climbing when I was like sort of 17, 18 okay. um, in the Peak District. And I, and I, and I realised that I liked climbing for different reasons because it was more... Running for me, it, it does give me clarity, but it's not always a way of switching my thoughts off. I can still worry quite a lot and do okay. things when I'm running. But when I'm climbing, I realised I, I can't you have to think about the next hold and then it's much more kind of for, for me and maybe because maybe because i'm i'm pretty bad at it okay. um, and definitely compared to running um there's no kind of competitive drive there's no sort of obsessive ego. side to it there's yeah there's no ego really it's just i'm never going to be good at it i just enjoy it and so and also because i'm not particularly competent at it i have to really concentrate um, so it, it feels for me a bit more of a kind of pure sport in a funny sort of way. It's not tainted with any, like, bad things, I guess, whereas running is a bit more ambivalent and I have quite a funny relationship with running at different times and sort of um, that changes. Yeah, so I think I kind of prefer climbing okay. in a, for clarity, actually, these days in okay. a different kind of way. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, meeting you, uh, we've got my bike here, I'm cycling around Yorkshire mm -hmm. for a month, and uh, the, these couple of lines struck with me um, in terms of the notion of why I'm out on my bike ride from the dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with your plan, the plans to, to set off past the meadow, down behind the beck, beyond the blunt profile of Silver Howe, and nobody will call me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That idea of just just being able to to take off. And obviously, there's times in your life when you can't just take off, um, but you can kind of pretend that you can through manageable adventures. I think, like going on a run or sort of. Yeah, I think that that was. But actually, when I wrote that poem, I, that was. It's funny. It's interesting um, that that line spoke to you about sort of the idea of setting out and stuff because I think at the time when I wrote that it was actually quite a sad thing I was thinking about it was about freedom and it was about being able to run over the fells but it was also about the idea of like something that I think about a lot which is like um, at the time when I wrote it I was thinking if, if I did meet with misadventure on one of my adventures I kind of wouldn't be like leaving anyone behind I only had my, myself to yeah. be responsible for and to 
which is kind of liberating, but also can feel sad. So, yeah. like, and so how yeah. is that? How is that approach to? Um, um, you you said it better than me just now. You said was it pretend freedom on? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Kind how, of. How's your approach to that? changed in your new stage of life yeah it's interesting and I think it applies to writing as well because the interest the thing about having a baby people are always saying oh you must be writing lots about him I was like well no because I don't have any time to write yeah. so y- your your time is much more um yeah it's much more constrained um he's got the microphone yeah. <laughs> hello um but I suppose when you do get out you value it more or you have a sense of I haven't had a lot of people told me that when I climbed, I'd find that I'd become more risk averse. And I think perhaps because I was so risk averse in the first (laughs) place, it hasn't made any difference. So I've been soloing and stuff like that and haven't felt any more kind of worried. Still hanging on tight. Yeah, than I would before. It's not kind of, oh, I shouldn't climb that because Mm. I've got a baby or whatever. But um, I could imagine how it could make you feel like that. I've actually kind of seen it as a really nice um, chance to have, it sounds a bit cliched perhaps, but to have new adventures because I really love having a little um, accomplice (laughs) who at the moment, bless him, doesn't have a choice in the matter. So I can do things, I I enjoy doing things with a baby that not all people, I mean, many people like yourself, you you wouldn't think this kind of stuff was, was particularly brave or like... But that some people would think was a bit brave to do with a baby, like um, taking him up Snowdon. I've taken him up quite a lot of mountains right. and stuff and carried him and taking him running with me quite a lot. And um, I enjoy that side of the adventure, going, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the baby with me. So is, um, he, is he adding to your adventurous life rather than getting in the way of it? Kind of is. In a way. Well, no, he's, he's just changing it. He's changing yeah. the balance. And he's definitely making it feel more like it's got more of a purpose because it's the sense of introducing him to places and to things that he might love later on and I know that he doesn't have a clue at the moment but I can delude myself um, that the exposure to those adventures and those things um, will sort of stay with him in the way that it did with me with my dad and stuff like my dad it's because of my dad that I love walking and I love climbing I love the outdoors and and I'd, I'd be so chuffed if that got passed on. Um, I was reading that, some, I think there's something about, because my, my partner's two older children, they're not into the outdoors at all, but he is. And I always wondered why they weren't. And then I, I think I was reading something about how apparently it's, it's mothers have more of an influence in that. If your mum is sporty or into the outdoors, you're more likely to than... Whether you're a boy or a girl. Yeah, yeah, I think apparently that has more of a that's more of a predictor of what you do as an adult, which I don't know why, but that seemed quite interesting. But you were inspired by your dad. I was, yeah, it was my 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 mum was very sporty as well. It's just that my dad loved mountains, and that became yeah, it's interesting. Um, So yeah, I suppose it's that idea that you can instill that love in yeah. someone else from early on, even if it's not true, even if he doesn't even know that he's been up Snowden. <laughs> it was like, he's shown the pictures in okay. later life and that'll be quite cool, I think. Yeah. So um, what does the phrase um, living adventurously mean to you at this stage of your life now? Um, well, I think... So, if, I mean, actually, like, having a baby has been living adventurously f- for me because it was a bit of a risk, Um um, 
Like, he, he wouldn't mind me talking about that. I mean, um, my, myself and my partner hadn't been together very long at all when we decided to have a baby. He's 18 years older than me. Um, so we just decided to, to, to do that very quickly. So that's a big risk because, you know, it, it, it involves being um, sort of open to a possibility of something, doesn't it? And it changing your life. But that is what living adventurously means to me, I suppose. Um, and we've talked about this in relation to, to the baby quite a lot as well. So, for, for instance, those are the things that feel risky to me, like being open to your life changing in ways you can't predict. Um, not necessarily things... The, the, the things that I do with a baby that might be adventurous, like going up a mountain, don't always feel that adventurous to me. That feels within my comfort zone. Whereas, like, actually um, having one in the first place, that's an adventure. That's kind of a risk or a sort of... Um, and everybody's different, aren't they, in terms of what they consider to be, like... A, a daunting thing or yeah. yeah living adventurously means it's about your creativity as well I think it just means being to me being open to things that you didn't know that you do or to, to life playing out in ways that you didn't know and just trying to respond to it I guess and keep being open yeah I think it's interesting isn't it how it changes over time so I originally was trying to do fairly traditional adventures mm -hmm. and expeditions. And I realised that after 20 years of going camping and cycling a long way and stuff, I was pretty good at that and yeah, I could yeah, do yeah, that yeah, in my yeah. sleep. And so to try and get a complete change of perspective on adventure... Um, Oops, the daisy. <laughs> three, toy, I'll get that later, yeah. I think it's fine. <laughs> um, I, um, I spent a month busking through Spain, despite wow. not being able to play the violin at all. Wow in order to like just scare Lee. exactly like Laurie Lee yeah uh, to just to scare myself and shock myself um and that felt like a very adventurous thing to do to me that's interesting that's that's I totally agree with you that's 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 a better way of putting it it's things that scare you um like so I got this book that I'm trying to write about dogs is because I had a phobia of dogs um up until the age of 25 I tried lots of things to cure it and I only managed to cure it by getting a dog um right. so I, yeah I think doing stuff like that is always the kind of yeah it's like the way around it isn't it it's it's because because to you I agree with what you're saying yeah. about expeditions as well like, like I've always said that that for me life feels less difficult and sort of less risky when I'm like in Greenland on a climbing trip um, than it does when I'm in Sheffield dealing with, um, I don't know, a group of mums or something. Like people's comfort can be in those extreme environments. I think it's much simpler when you know what the things that are going to be demanded of you are, and they're quite survival focused that actually makes life feel quite manageable i yeah, think yeah. <laughs> whereas when when you haven't got that instant threat um things can feel more daunting in a funny sort of way maybe that's just the way our brains are they yeah. kind of look for danger when there isn't any there's yeah. kind of like it's easier to um to outsource all your worry if it's about polar bears and it's a real threat and they're outside the camp rather than it being about you know, how you're going to manage the day or a social situation or, or, or that kind of, those kind of adventures, I suppose. Yeah. I think um, 
an interesting thing I think about living adventurously is that I think everyone wants to do it. In yeah. theory, everyone wants to be a bit bolder and a bit more, have a bit more woomph to their life. Yeah, everyone, yeah. all of us do. But so often we don't yeah. because of the barriers and obstacles. And generally in life, I think they're either a lack of time or lack of money. In your case, moment, you have a little kid getting in, uh, um, <laughs> causing chaos yeah, in yeah, your yeah. life. Um, but what, what are the... Um, the barriers that you've faced that stop you trying to live adventurously because then I think they're often internal more than just we hide behind we say we don't have time or money but that's really a a front for the internal barrier that stops us doing stuff so yeah yeah always it's always stuff isn't it like um um security like wanting that, that always stops me from going freelance with my writing for instance like thinking oh no I need a pension and I need which is actually a fear of, of not being able to manage things yourself because obviously you could sort that out yourself but also um I think f yeah f fear of your own inadequacy um <laughs> when I went to Greenland I um I'm sure, yeah, like, like, no, I don't mind admitting this. I, I nearly, I'd paid lots of money to go on this trip. We booked the flights and everything, and I nearly cancelled it about a week before I was due Why? to go. Um, I decided that I wasn't up to it and I would be a liability. Um, the climbing was going to be too demanding for my skills. Um, I didn't think my, you know, my mood was reliable. I thought I was going to, what if I got really down or really anxious when I was there? And what, oh dear, what if, what if, what yeah. If. And and the other people who were going on the trip sort of taught me round and yeah. were really helpful and just said, you know, and it was the best experience. Well, one of the best experiences of my life, really. Certainly the best trip I've ever done. And if I'd not gone, it would have been a massive mistake. But it's it's fear of yourself. I think it's fear that you maybe it's imposter syndrome. Is that somehow you're going to be found out as not being up to the adventure or the challenge or whatever and it happens to be? Oh dear! Do you, do you <laughs> still feel um, imposter syndrome as a writer? Yes, yeah, all the time. Yeah, and as a poet? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I always worry that I haven't got any more poems left, or that, um, and I suppose I make it worse for myself by constantly trying new genres. So, so right. I wrote a novel, having never written one before, and. Kind of. Then I've tried to write a non-fiction book, so I'm always like um, feeding my imposter syndrome by trying to be an imposter in a new genre. But that's that's part of living adventurously, I think, as well. It's sort of, you know, not just settling for what you know you can already do. I think that's important. I know I can sort of write poems. Um, I didn't know I could write a novel, so that was an adventure. I didn't know I could write a non-fiction book. I think it is about, yeah, seeing if you can do those things and maybe getting comfortable with the idea that you might not. Um, and you're willing to take the, take the hit if you're not? Yeah, I think so. I like to hope I am. Maybe I'm, yeah. Maybe I'm less ready to do that than I think, so I obviously worry about it a lot, but... Um, I don't think I'd do those things if if I was too afraid of the the consequences. If you see what I mean, yeah. Do you yeah. read your bad reviews? Um, 
I don't, I don't find it easier to read good reviews than bad reviews, to be honest. I, I get very uncomfortable with... So all reviews I skim read and just... I'll read them, but I'll read them very quickly with my heart in my mouth. And I don't linger on the, the good bits either because that makes me uncomfortable. Makes you cringe. Yeah, it just makes me feel She's a bit... She's the greatest writer since <laughs> Shakespeare. Yeah, that would... Luckily, no one will ever say that, but um, <laughs> that would definitely make me... I think it's the way sometimes, you know, it's hard if somebody pays you a compliment of some kind and you kind of go, oh, yeah, and you want to, like, dismiss it as quickly as possible. I'm trying to teach myself to accept compliments. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. people give compliments to be kind. Yeah. And constantly brushing them off. It's a very British thing to do. So I'm trying to teach myself to say, no, thank you, and accept them with grace when yeah. they come. Because sometimes it makes the person doing the complimenting feel bad if you just go kind of like, oh, no, I was just trying to be nice. Yeah. Oops, Daisy, thank you. So the, um, the complete works of Anonymous. Yeah. Um, I find the interesting thing, the, the balance between ego, <laughs> flying to it, the balance between ego and personal satisfaction. Mm. And one thing mm. that I've always tried to ask myself before I choose to do a trip particularly back in the olden days of trying to do maybe dangerous things, was, yeah. would I do this if nobody ever found out? Yeah, um, yeah, 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 that, that's interesting. I, I find that a question I always ask myself. And um, what's, what's the... So would you write poems if no one ever read them? It's a good question. Um, Presumably when you started, no one read them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do write poems still that no one will ever see. Um, but I don't know because it is sort of... come. It does come from an urge to communicate or to make... Because what I get from reading, not just poetry, but other things, um, is... Um, oh, dear. <laughs> I, I kind of get a sense of um, recognition or in the other person's work. So I'll go, wow, someone else has felt like that or that that that, that makes me look at something differently. Um, and so I suppose I want to give that to other people. And, and I hope that I don't even want them to necessarily think it's a good poem, um, but just to go, oh, I know that or that, that speaks to me or that kind of... So, so I suppose... <laughs> I suppose it's always there that you think that someone's... You assume that you're writing to an audience not to avoid. But maybe maybe I would because you also do that just to make sense of something to yourself. Um, yeah. you, you're writing to your past or future self and trying to communicate with with you too explain something to yourself oh dear I think your I th teeth are giving you problems uh, we're think, reaching I think he's reaching the end of interview time oh dear oh dear Alfie I'm sorry about this that's oh okay. dear little man um, you've been very you've been very amenable though he has been very amenable but I think it's probably time <laughs> yeah. for him to go time to go home have a glass of milk or something yeah. so <laughs> oh. thank you very much for right. <laughs> chatting to me Noisy. And uh, thank you, Mr. Any final words? Yes. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. 
In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is through their inspiring collections. Are you exploring a new area and not sure where to begin? Type in where you want to go and local collections will suggest a number of cycling or hiking tours based on the most scenic routes. It's a great way to get started exploring in a new place, particularly if you don't know where to begin. Wherever you find yourself, your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com slash chi and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.